to all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Hi, I'm Scott Jacobs. Join me as I chat with my pals who come from all walks of Disney life, including cast members, comedians, photographers, chefs, musicians, choreographers, and Broadway friends who have worked on stage and behind the scenes. We'll talk attractions, shows, food, characters, tips and tricks for planning your trip and navigating the parks, and more. Welcome to The Mouse and Me. Hello and welcome back, everyone. I hope you're having a magical day. I'd like to start by saying hello and thank you to my first and only Patreon member, Toga Rose. Thank you so much for your support. And if any of you would like to support the channel as well, please visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash the mouse and me. My guest today has been called a singer's singer. Whether you hear her singing as part of Voctive, performing her own concerts, or with Disney's Voices of Liberty, you will absolutely be moved by her voice as I've been. If you want a real treat, look her up on YouTube and prepare to get goosebumps. She performed as a soloist with the Boston Pops, the Orlando and Charlotte Philharmonic Orchestras, appeared at Lincoln Center and Carnegie Hall, and sang for the closing ceremonies of the Special Olympics. She also recorded the theme song, Share a Dream Come True, for Epcot's Tapestry of Dreams Parade, which was part of Disney's 100 Years of Magic celebration. Please help me welcome to the podcast the amazing Tiffany Coburn. (laughs) Tiffany. Hi, Scott. Hi. Hi, everybody. How you doing? (laughs) How are you? I am doing great thrilled to be with you. Thank you for the honor uh, of this um, invitation. I'm so excited to be with you. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to have you. Now, during my introduction, I mentioned Voices of Liberty, which in my mind is synonymous with the American adventure in Epcot, and we're absolutely going to talk about that. But before we do, Voices of Liberty wasn't the first job you had for the Walt Disney Company. Can you talk about the different positions you had and where you worked? Oh, my goodness. Yes. This is going to come to a, sh- a shock to a lot of people because it's. Uh, I was born in California. I was born and raised on the West Coast. And so my very first job was at Disneyland while I was still in high school. I uh, got a position at Pinocchio's Village House as my first job, I was a, I call it a burger stuffer girl. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I was a, I was a behind the counter gal that, that, you know, gave people their food and everything. And uh, I did that for a while. And then I went on to be a cashier. They thought I did okay. And they trusted me with their money. So (laughs) So they uh, gave me the, the front cashier part for a while. And then um, they had a new restaurant that was opening. It was an outdoor facility uh, over by Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And it was called the Big Thunder Mountain uh, Barbecue Restaurant. And it was two covered wagons and you would push a tray and you'd get, you know, beans and chicken and everything. And then you'd eat at picnic tables. And um, anyway, that's no longer there, of course, but that was in like 1985, 86, 87, you know, and, um, and I was the head cashier for the uh, opening crew for that for a while. Uh, And then um, in, in between that at Christmas time, I had the opportunity of being a Dickens caroler. 
And oh, that was cool. you know, just a seasonal thing that you auditioned for. And so I did that, uh, let's see, 86 through 88. And yeah, 86 okay. through 88. And then, um, uh, and also, let's see, what else have I done over there? Oh, and then at that, I also had a chance because I was a Dickens Caroler, uh, Disney Channel, I didn't tell you this, but Disney Channel um, wanted to do the Candlelight Processional, which we did at Christmas time out there. It originated out there and um, I got to be the soloist and they did it on the Disney channel and they, it plays every year now, which is kind of fun to see little young Tiffany. That is so cool. <laughs> um, and then um, after that, I became a Disney travel agent Oh, cool! for the Walt Disney travel company out. Um, my, my office was in the uh, Disney hotel, you know, the old Disney hotel, <laughs> Disneyland hotel, which or, you know, it's all, it's all gotten beautified and everything. But uh, what was funny was that I was booking hotels on Hotel Plaza Boulevard here in Florida. Of course, I'd never been to Florida. So I was like, wow, I'm sure it's really cool. you know. So <laughs> what was really fun was to then actually come and be uh, Voices of Liberty and live in Florida and see where I used to book people. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what I did in California before I came to Florida. Now, how did the transition happen from Big Thunder Barbecue to the travel? Well, um, I, at the same time that I was doing the Big Thunder Barbecue thing, I was going to a travel school. So I was getting a, it was a, it was a specific school for travel agents. And then they had a placement program. And because I was already with the company, I was just kind of transferred over there to that and got to do that. So, and then the Pinocchio Village House. Did you just see like a, a, an advertisement for work in, in the local paper, or did you just think, "Hey, I love Disney. Let me just see if they have any openings." That's a good question. No, actually, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school, and they had a program, um, much like, if not the exact same, like the college program is. Okay, but it, it was in high school, so I got credit for going i got high school credit for having this job oh that's fantastic yeah yeah so um but you know then i got to stay on after i graduated i got to stay on and you know all that so it was uh it was absolutely awesome i loved every second of it village uh, pinocchio's village house had just opened it was brand brand new and this is also kind of fun you know how they have um which it's also advanced now, but they used to have this thing where you, you know, the uh, cashier would type in what you're going to have, and then it would pop up a piece of paper in the back um, where the, the host and hostesses would get it. And then they would box up the food and whatever. Well, Pinocchio's village house was the, um, what do you call it? The flagship that started it all. Oh, okay. Like I was there when it first, you know, way back when, mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when they implemented that system and it was at that fast food restaurant. It's kind of fun. When did you move to Florida? So I uh, heard, now this is interesting. So I heard that you got paid to sing. I'll just say that. <laughs> I heard that you got paid to sing in some group called the Voices of Liberty. I'd never heard of them. Um, I had heard through someone, through someone, through this group that I had, um, traveled with called the Continentals. 
And they said, um, oh, yeah, it's a group, about 30 singers, and they sing folk music and Americana music. And, um, you know, you'd be great for that. And so I called, you know, talked with someone and they said, oh, yeah, we've got an audition uh, set up for everybody, a big audition in about two weeks. So I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Um, It's something that I literally want to do all the time. All I want to do is sing. But I thought, you know, who, I'm not a rock star. I mean, I'm not going to get paid to sing, but I thought, well, okay. So this friend of mine who was a piano player um, flew out there with me because I hadn't really auditioned for, but one thing or two things. And I thought, well, you probably should have your own accompanist. So we flew out there together and I auditioned with a song that I had sung in my church cantata. (laughs) And, um, yeah, that was like in the fall. Let's see, that was like August of uh, 1988. And I got called in October of 1988 and said, you got the job as a full-time second soprano. And I started like January 4th or something in 1989. But I moved there, you know, in the fall. Oh, wow. So yeah, I was 20 years old. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Crazy. So when you moved, the weather was an absolute shock to your system coming from California. Uh, Yes. And uh, it was terrible. It was terrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I couldn't take it. (laughs) Super humid, super hot, rained every day at 315 um, and not like normal rain like I was used to uh, because by this time, my whole family had moved to Oregon. So we were living in Oregon. So that's, you know, the Northwest is fabulous. Right. So- you know, it's hardly anybody owns an umbrella in the Northwest. It's just, you know, really easy rain, you know. Well, then you come here and it's like torrential downpour that you can literally see in sheets. Yes. And so it was quite a shock to my system. But I uh, adapted, you know, I adapted and just, I I just said to myself, you'll never have great looking hair again. So- <laughs> Vanity, vanity first, right? Sorry. (laughs) I was born and raised in South Florida. I lived there for 19 years and I didn't know any different. So to me, it wasn't humid because I had nothing to compare it to. And then the first time I left the state, we went up to Atlanta in in the winter for a couple of days to visit family. And oh, I I could not take it. I I couldn't handle it. Yeah, because because your body adapts to it. So now when I go home to visit my my family, my mom has to put flannel sheets on the bed because I'm absolutely freezing, <laughs> which is ridiculous, you know. Yeah. And my sister walks around in shorts, you know, when it's forty degrees, and I'm going, you know, I'm so cold. <laughs> Every time I go back to Disney World and it's summer, oh. It's, br- I mean, I love it. It's fun, but yes. ooh, is it brutal? It's brutal. It, I mean, it really is different. I mean, I remember being in California and um, I remember, well, cause I also, they had like an apple cart, you know, that sh- sold apples and churros and things like that. And so I would sometimes go out to the apple cart and be the hostess out there at Disneyland. Well, during the summer, that was terrible, terrible. And of course you had apples and the sweetness of that would attract bees. And it was just, uh, it was terrible. And, but it was a dry heat. So you could kind of handle it better. I don't know. It's just, uh, there's different things here in Florida that you have to do in order to 
stay cool yes. than you do in California. <laughs> I lived in Las Vegas as well for five years and it is okay. a dry heat. And even when it's 110 and people are going to, th- this sounds so ridiculous, but even at 110 degrees, it's pleasant out there. I, I think yeah. it's pleasant out there. Yeah. I mean, it's a dry heat, it's like you said. A whole different, it's a, just a whole different ball game. Yeah. Because the humidity just sinks into your body. And I don't know, it's just, it just wears you out, you know, but. Hey. You know, it is what it is. It, it is <laughs> what feel. it is. <laughs> so once you got hired for Voices of Liberty, how long was the rehearsal process and where did you rehearse? Well, back then, um, you know, it, it was always in this building called the Pico Building, Production Services. And it was, you know, the, where all the entertainers would go and rehearse. In the, um, and so we were upstairs in a, a room called 2B. <laughs> and it was just a great big, huge uh, rehearsal room. And we were stuffed together in chairs, you know, in a big U, U shape. And we had a pianist there. And her name was Stella Cottrell. Oh, that's and a good name. Yeah, she was the greatest. Um, unfortunately, she's passed on just recently. So, you know, we kind of miss her terribly. But Derek Johnson was uh, our founder and director. And, you know, he's going to be 90 years old this year, which is absolutely awesome. Oh, wow. Voices of Liberty. Yes. And I mean, just his everything about him was so fantastic because he he just always would give us the background of something or the philosophy of something before we'd even start singing. And then we'd start singing. And then, and he, because of course he was the arranger of it, you know, it's his, well, uh, sometimes uh, people call the arrangements, their children, you mm-hmm. know, because it's his little thing. He knew exactly where the emotions would go. And so he just knew how to direct something in a way that allowed you as the singer to enjoy it so much. And so then he'd go back and say, let's do that again. You know, altos, give me a little more of this or, you know, tenors, feed into that a little bit more. And then you just learned from him that there was more to it than just dots on a page, you know, because of the philosophy, because of the way that he would actually direct you and rehearse you you would come out of there with this feeling of, whoa, that's, listen to what we just did, you know? And, um, and he just instilled in us the passion of, of the group. So anyway, uh, all that to say, we would have a two week rehearsal and every day was like, you know, nine to five, something like that, 10 to six, depending. And um, we would, Learn, you know, he would have a, a, a set number of songs, you know, that we would need to get out on the floor. So we would learn, you know, we had to start memorizing by the by the next day. So we'd have like an introductory day where he'd, you know, drop kind of needle drop a lot of different songs just to give you a feeling of what you're going to get in Voices of Liberty. And then we would literally start rehearsing what we're going to have to have memorized for the next day. And so what we would do is then at the end of the, of the day, he would run the songs that we were going to have to have memorized for the next day. So then we'd come in the next day and the very first thing we would do, which was terrifying, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we would, we would warm up and everything. And then he'd say, okay, um, I need a, you know, I need groups of eight. And so he would pick one from each section 
and he'd get us up in what we call in, in eights. So, and we'd stand in front of the group and in front of him, and we would run the songs that we were uh, supposed to have memorized. It was terrifying. <laughs> I'm not going to even sugarcoat it. It was terrifying because, you know, the music, um, I think the group, um, if I can humbly say that I feel like the group makes it look easy, but it is not easy. This music is very intricate and it is, and like I said earlier, it's more than just dots on a page. There's so much more to it. And so, you know, memorizing uh, overnight was, you know, this was serious. Right. I mean, you had to, you know, you had to really want to be here. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, he would start off with easier songs, you know, and then it would just get progressively more intricate, you know, um, but it was two weeks. And then by the end of two weeks, you were supposed to have enough, um, I don't know, 20 songs, maybe I'm not even sure uh, enough to go out on the floor and do a full seven or eight sets, you know? Okay. So, um, and that was, you know, we call those the big rehearsals. And so that was, you know, new hires coming in and everything. Um, and those rehearsals are usually, you know, that's at the very beginning of a, of a contract, which our contracts are one year. They're, okay. they're, they're one year. And so um, then at Christmas time, we would have another big rehearsal, <laughs> quote unquote, and that would be to get us ramped up for Christmas, which is a whole nother book of music. Right. So, you know, it's, if you're there several years, you don't really get a hold of this music for several years. I mean, you're still a nervous wreck for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> right. But it's, it's powerful. You mentioned there were about 20 songs. For you to do eight sets, uh, how many in total were there? Oh boy! I mean, now I I would say there's uh, there's probably sixty songs, you know, in wow. our book that you can pull from. And you know, back then we did have a, a more limited uh, repertoire because um, Derek Johnson was limited in the actual uh, years that he could that he could arrange for, like you know, civil war to, I don't know, 1930s or something. I don't know. I, it just was like, he had a certain, um, certain days that he couldn't go past. Okay. And that has since lifted through the years. And so now we do Disney songs. Um, but there in the beginning, he was not allowed to even arrange or look at other songs. So we had A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. We had Beauty and the Beast. We had some other, uh, A Whole New World, some other really amazing Disney songs along the way that Derek would arrange. But those were only done in special events or like we would always do um, uh, When You Wish Upon a Star. Sometimes A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes for the ambassador ceremony, which used to be just one ambassador. And it was a huge, big ceremony and voices always sang at it. And so we would do things like that for those events. But now they have lifted that thing. And so now everybody can, we, we sing a lot more uh, contemporary songs and uh, they have different, you know, all different arrangers. There's three or four arrangers that they work with now. So you performed in the American Pavilion and then also up on the stage, correct? Correct. Yes. So uh, Voices of Liberty's home really is inside the American Pavilion, which is 
uh, right as you walk through the double doors, there's this huge, big, beautiful dome. And our home is right there on the edge of this beautiful terraza floor, this uh, big circle. We call it the red circle. <laughs> and we would stand um, facing, uh, we are facing the doors of the actual upstairs theater show. And the design uh, originally was that we would stand there and we were the pre-show to the upstairs theater show. Okay. So um, th then we were, everything was all calculated so that when we were done with our program, that then they would take everybody upstairs and then they'd see the program upstairs. And then when they were done, hopefully you're just waving a flag and just feeling super patriotic. Right. So that was really the design of, um, of the whole, the whole experience, if you will. So, um, but then uh, they have the stage out front, the American uh, garden stage. And of course, you know, when I first was hired, it was not covered and the world dancers were out there and they had, you know, they did still have, you know, concerts and things like that, but um, they had a different group and a different show out there. And so they've since covered it. And uh, we went out on the, sh on the, um, on the stage just to, as a trial thing, uh, several years back, we did like a Monday and Tuesday and we would do like a, a stage show of sorts out there. And, um, that went on for a couple of years and then they decided, you know, to, to not do that. And then for COVID, of course, then we had to go back out on stage, thankfully, you know, because of course COVID, uh, shut us all down for a while. And then in, um, I think it was, you know, September or, no, or November or something like that, they brought us back for Christmas. And then January, they, um, of that next year of 21, they crafted a fresh show for, um, you know, to start the year off with and not, of course, not really knowing what they were going to be up against. You know what I mean? Right. It, it was all up in the air. So, uh, they remained on the stage through that, uh, through the year. And I think they came back inside the pavilion. I want to say maybe September, October, I'm not sure of, of, um, uh, 22. I remember seeing Voices of Liberty. The, uh, there was a, a mariachi band uh, that played the theater during COVID. And it was such yeah, a treat. Mm -hmm. Every time I passed by, there was a different group performing. And of course, I would stop and, and grab a seat and listen because yeah. I had to because that's the, the, the artist in me. You know, I, I needed yeah. to watch and listen and, and support. And it, it was a real treat. Yeah, you know, it is that's funny that you say that. I and of course I used to do that at Disneyland as a young girl. I would go and I would watch this group come out of the ground, you know, uh at Coke Terrace. They would it was this band called Pizzazz and they'd come out of the ground. And because I lived, you know, ten minutes from Disneyland, I I mean I literally grew up there. So I was there all the time. And so I'd, you know, get my lunch and I'd sit there and I would watch them perform and I'd think, I wanna do that. That was a dream of mine. I want to perform at Disneyland. That was always a dream of mine. I had no idea it would be Disney World and I wouldn't be singing in a band. I'd be singing in this amazing acapella group, you know, but that's, that was a dream of mine. Big one. How often were there brush up rehearsals or understudy rehearsals? Um, back, you know, early on, we would um, do a rehearsal a month. And so we would have a four day rehearsal period 
two days where we were actually dark on the floor, which we call dark on the floor. So we weren't even the whole, because we had two casts back then. We were called the stars and the stripes Mm. and they would take both casts off the floor for two days. And so that we could all get all of the information, you know, all of the, um, Derek used to call it, let's see, the improvements that we made on his arrangements or something, <laughs> which of course meant that we took it too fast or we, you know, uh, we, he needed to bring us back to square one, you sure. know? So he would um, have both casts in the room for two days so that we could all get all the information. Then we would do two half days. So then one cast would go to the floor in the morning and, and the other cast would stay in and rehearse and then we would swap. You know, so um, it it was that way for years, and um, they they've since you know changed that a little uh, quite a bit. But that also allowed Derek to bring in a new chart every month, and so that's kind of how he began to build our our book. You know, because he would bring in a brand new chart that he just arranged, and we would um, run it and see how it felt on the group. You know, see how it how it sat. And he would have all of the group there to, to see how it felt, you know? And, um, but, uh, yeah, now, uh, they do brush, they rehearse every single day oh, wow. uh, okay. about 45 minutes. Yeah. And it's like a warm up slash rehearsal, uh, every day. I, you know, but through the years it's, you know, it's shifted, you know, it's shifted. So it just kind of depends on, on management, on, um, the union on, you know, there's all, there's all kinds of little factors that are involved, you know, but in the, uh, in the early days, that's what we did and it worked really well. Are there always swings available, like hired for the day, hanging out in case someone calls out or in case something happens to a certain performer during a show? Like, you know, are there two extra tenors like chit-chatting somewhere? (laughs) You know what? I think the tenors wish that uh, (laughs) as like, you can't believe no, actually, that's a really good question. Uh, no, by and large, we we would staff, uh, I think they try to staff five and five, maybe, you know, definitely they've always, they've tried to staff five girls, but um, it, it really does depend. I, I mean, that's all I can say. Um, you know, years ago, I, and I keep saying years ago, but because things have shifted here and there, but, you know, when you do just eight singers, when you have four girls and four guys and a lead and the front, the four girls and four guys can generate the most amazing sound. It's so powerful. And people look at that and they go, that's only eight people. That's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, five girls or six girls and six guys, well, that's, uh, you know, that's not as like, I mean, it, it is impressive. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about a smaller group. Uh, so if you have five girls on for a day, they might sit that one girl out and just go with four. Okay. It depends. Um, but as they staff Voices of Liberty, they staff, uh, them with a swing within the group. So, you know, you have a first soprano as a swing soprano, a second soprano, a first alto, a second alto. And, um, we have several girls, uh, that are leads now that are, would be swings considered swings. So they usually do that with um, men and women. Okay. Just to have an extra person. But then you also have subs that you could call in at the drop of a hat too. But as far as staffing for the day, that's, it's usually eight to 10. Okay. 
what did a typical shift look like for you? Well, um, you know, with now with one cast, it it's like maybe they'd go in it. Um, and again, this shifts all the time, <laughs> depending on the happenings of Epcot. You know, you'd go in at like 10 o'clock and you would rehearse from 10 to 1045. And then you um, had some time to go, you know, get dressed. And then maybe your first show is uh, maybe your first show is 1130, you know, because we would have a 30 minute window to get ready. So, uh, and then you do 1130 and you would do seven shows and maybe your last show is either 530 or six o'clock depends. And, and again, all that shifts, you know, sometimes we've have a, we, we used to have a, a lunch and then for years and years, we didn't have a lunch. You know, people said, oh, I don't want an hour in the middle of the day. Just, you know, so it just, uh, it all kind of shifts back and forth, but, um, we, we have a ball, you know, when we're not on, on stage singing, we have a blast backstage. Oh, for sure. Blast. Yeah. It's, it's a, we used to do a lot more, um, like we'd watch a movie or we'd watch TV or something like that backstage, but now with cell phones and, you know, it's, we've been a little more isolated, you know, people a little more into their own world, but you know, it's, it's a real family. Did you do any special performances outside of Epcot as Voices of Liberty? Oh, yeah. All the time. In fact, they just did one. Um, they just, well, it, I mean, it was with Walt Disney World, but they just did a really special one for the Special Olympics. And that was, I know that was a big deal. I, I wasn't part of it, but that was a big one. Yeah, I mean, um, we've we used to go on the Disney airplane we would go to different places all over florida as voices of liberty and we would rehearse with the different choirs for candlelight oh, so derek cool. would take yeah so derek would take uh, a cast and we would go to these different high schools that were chosen to come to candlelight and he'd say okay tiffany go sing with the first sopranos cindy go sing with the second sopranos you know ray i mean he and he would split us all up into the into the groups and then we would just sit amongst those kids and you know talk to them and then we'd sing through the whole candlelight processional and then we'd go to the next place you know so we did that for years and i think that uh, I'm I'm sorry that they don't do that anymore because I feel like that did help some of the kids to be excited about Disney World and and actually know that there's a group called the Voices of Liberty to come in and uh, strive to be a part of and um, so that's and then they got to sing with us you know and you would recognize a couple of them you know during during performances and stuff so that was really special but we took the plane to that and we also did some stuff in um you know they they went to the um what do you call it? Indianapolis mm-hmm. 500 mm-hmm. they went and sang the national anthem there they did that several times and we did some christmas things in um St. Louis i mean we've you know they've gone to the libraries you know Reagan library the all different libraries and and sung some special songs so yeah um not as many travel uh, not as many things now we did something with uh in the bush administration too went up to dc but they don't travel as much now i'm not sure why except um i might could offer this that years ago there weren't as many you know we only had two parks right so or two or three parks you know eventually but we only had three parks and 
there weren't as many groups to travel, you know, and we're acapella, so we're easy to transport. You know, you don't have to take a bunch of instruments and stuff. So I think that was, you know, we were ambassadors for Walt Disney World for a long time. Did they move you to any of the other parks for any special occasions? All the time. Um, Because, again, like I said, we had uh, ambassadors. You know, the ambassador ceremony were always huge. And they usually did them in front of the castle. Uh, But then they would do, sometimes we did them in front of, um, we did something in front of the land ride once. We did something in front of, uh, of course, always in front of the American Adventure in in recent days. So yeah, all over the place. But um, we would go to different hotels and do special events. We were um, requested a lot to do those kinds of things, you know. So uh, again, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that we were easy to transport. And there weren't as many um, groups right. back then. You know, they had individual soloists that would do things. But um, so I think that's why we had more opportunities in the, you know, late 80s and early 90s. But, you know, it doesn't mean that they're, I mean, again, like they used them for the um, the Special Olympics, which was a huge big deal. So, you know, they know that Voices is a is still an ambassador of sorts, you know, to, to Walt Disney World. But, you know, it's just shifted a little bit. Sure. So. Did you ever go up on lyrics? Like, did, did they ever just lose your mind, uh, leave your head for a minute and, and you drop the lyrics? You have no idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. And whoever's listening to this who knows me is laughing hysterically right now. Yes. Times a thousand. Um, there's so many of us and some things, some of us were caught on can't uh, caught on film, uh, making up words, <laughs> you know, yes, is the, is just the easy answer. But, um, it's, you know, and in the moment, it's completely terrifying. Oh, yes. And uh, also notes. I mean, you know, when you're when you're learning a song, uh, I we were doing You Are My Sunshine once, and it was a brand new chart for me. And I wasn't supposed to go super high. I was supposed to, but I did anyway. <laughs> I went really high thinking that was my note. And in order to make the chord fit, I had to come down like a half step. I ha- I was just making it up as I went along and, um, you know, terrifying. But it, that's the beauty, honestly, of live show. That's the beauty of live performance is that panic of, oh, my goodness, I need to make this work. I need to make this fit. Uh, I need to, whatever I'm talking about needs to make sense, <laughs> I hope. So, you know, uh, but I think that's why, you know, Broadway still exists and live shows still exist because there is a thing about it that you just love, you know. How long were you part of that group? So altogether, I was there 27 years, but I came in 1989. So I was there you know, for a couple of years. And then I went, I left and went part-time or went to what they called casual temporary. And I went and traveled with a gospel group called Truth for a year. And then I wanted to come back and Derek said, come on back. So I came back and was there until 1996. So I was there, you know, another five years. And then I left again and went 96 to 99 with the same group that I'd left before gospel group and came back. And so then I was there from 1999 to 2021. Wow. So yeah. So altogether 27 years. Incredible. <laughs> so I, yeah, I left, you know, unfortunately I left a, a year before I could actually retire, but um, you know, that's okay. 
That's all right. I mean, the, the memories that I have are uh, unbelievable. I can't, you just, you can't even fathom the things that, that we've been able to do and the people we've been able to meet, meeting some lifetime friends, you know, it's, it's, it's been an amazing place. Are there any hidden Mickeys in the American pavilion? There are. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where are they? Do I have to tell you? <laughs> I, I mean, you don't have to, but I would certainly love it if you would share. I'll tell you where one is. Okay. There's a hidden Mickey, or I mean several actually, in the hallway where we line up, where Voices of Liberty lines up in a hallway um, in the corner there. Do you know where that is? Like in the so if you walk through the the center of the you know the double doors, okay, to your left, to the far left, there's like a carpet area in the corner, okay. and that's where we line up. On the wall there, you'll see some Mickey's. Mm, okay. The next time we uh, Tracy and I are heading there in early September for our twentieth anniversary, and we yep. are going to head in to the American Pavilion, and we're going to find those hidden Mickey's. Yeah, there's three eagles. You know, there's like a, a big panel there, mm-hmm. and there's big eagles there, and then it's all but a lot of um, grill work. And within that, you'll see them. Excellent, cool. Thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. Do you have a favorite parade? Well, uh, the electric light parade is my absolute favorite. Sorry, I I am that person. <laughs> it's just my favorite forever. No, I hear you. That, that's one of my first memories. Yeah, that's it's just one of my favorites. And then of course I I love the Halloween parade hands down. Like that's oh, it's my favorite. And I used to I, I love it when um you know the horse would come barreling down. Now they can't do that. But um oh, that was it was so intense and so exciting. And and the the chimney sweeps, you know, or or the haunted mansion guys, you know, it was so good. That was my favorite. Mm. Oh, but you know, I, I love them all. I mean, I, they're all so beautiful. And, um, when my daughter, I just, I have one, uh, one child, I have a daughter named Paris. And when she was, I think six years old, we went and saw, uh, you know, Disney and ran around and we were watching the parade and she, I have pictures of her reaching up, you know, to like, like there's my princess or there's Winnie the Pooh or whatever. And I am just a sobbing mess. I'm like, Oh, my daughter, it, you know, it does something to the parents when they watch this innocence of a child, just revel in, in this live stuffed animal, you know, Mm -hmm. that they probably go to sleep with, you know, and at night they have this wonderful friend and then they've got this live parade in front of you. There's just nothing like it as a parent, you know, but I don't know. I, they're just, they're a magical thing. I hope they never go away because par- parades are so special. Every once in a while, Tracy and I will talk about our, the very first trip to Walt Disney world with the kids. And Ella was like four at the time. Ben was seven. And, you know, we had been there many times as young adults, you know, without kids, but to see Disney through a child's eyes. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like Mm-mm. it. There really isn't. And, you know, time kind of stands still, Yeah. you know, you don't, there's no priorities. You just go where they want to go. Um, yeah. I, those days with my daughter are precious. I loved 
those days. Yeah. Loved those days. It's funny you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned time stand still. So on that very first trip, like Rapunzel had just come out and there was a meet and greet in the Magic Kingdom for Rapunzel. Oh. And the line was super long. So I said, I'll wait in line and you take the kids and go, you know, just go ride rides because, you know, that's what the kids would want to do. We wouldn't make them stand in line. And the line, I waited in line for about two and a half hours (laughs) and time stood still, but it was worth it. Ella did her little pose with her with a little hand out and it was, it was great. Yeah. There's nothing like it. You just, you're willing to do whatever. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Now you mentioned your daughter's name is Paris. That's a perfect transition to Disneyland Paris. You told me that you went there. What, what was that like? So I sing in a group called Voctive now. um, And this group was asked to come and sing for, for um, an event at Disneyland Paris And so that was what, like 2018 or something like that. And they flew us out there and we did this special event. And then we went and did the parks. I was blown away. I mean, I was blown away. I I didn't get to do near what I wanted to, but I'm a, I'm a real um, experienced person. I love atmosphere. I love you know, I'm very emotional. And so I, I like the way things feel. And so I'm walking down main street with my friend and to the left is this place called Waltz. Mm. Well, it's a restaurant and it's upstairs. So you go inside and you go up these beautiful velvet staircase, you know, and there's this beautiful, fabulous, very nice restaurant. And I mean, it was probably a two hour experience easily. And I will never forget it because here we are right against the window, watching people walk down main street, having this incredible meal. And we're in France. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. So for me, those kinds of things are a big deal. And then, um, just walking around, I sleeping beauty is my favorite princess. And so sleeping beauty's castle, that castle, I always wanted to see. It's massive and gorgeous massive spectacular and then you know of course the story of sleeping beauty is within the castle uh in stained glass some of the most beautiful or tapestries that i've ever seen ever i think stained glass and tapestries but and then this big giant dragon underneath i mean the whole thing was just magical you know Mm. there are two parks out there yeah i ran across it was pouring down rain that day so we went to the other park and saw a couple of things, but the biggest thing that I wanted to see was the Ratatouille ride because at that time we didn't have it here. Right. And so, uh, because it was raining so bad, not as many people wanted to go. And so I went on it twice with my friend. Isn't that (laughs) that a great attraction? Incredible. And I'm so thankful that we have it here now. So yeah. Yeah. Big deal. What was the biggest challenge you faced when working for Disney? Interesting question. Uh, the biggest challenge, I suppose, managing my schedule was was challenging. You know, as I, um, I sing at churches. I'm a gospel singer as well, and managing my schedule, making sure that I, um, 
you know, had enough vacation to go and do this or that, you know, that was stressful. And then I just, um, when you had vocal problems, you know, when you, when you're sick and you have to call in to work, that's stressful. You know, Mm -hmm. you're leaving your team out, you're, uh, and then, you know, what we do is so specific. If you're sick at Christmas time, especially like, you know, the high floaty things just never come out if you're sick. Um, so that, that's a big deal. You know, I think for your job being a singer and you get sick and you lose your voice or you have stuff within your voice that you can't control, that's the biggest stress in that job. Mm-hmm. No question about it. What if any cast member exclusives did you do? For example, any ride previews or special tours or riding an attraction in a different way than what the normal guest gets to do? You know, now, like they redid uh, the Norwegian ride, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's now uh, the Frozen ride. Right. So when that was all changed, we we had a cast exclusive that we could go in and ride that. You know, we didn't oh we didn't sing anything there, but we got to go and ride it. That happens uh, for cast a lot. You know, for at Animal Kingdom, you know, when they opened uh, the Avatar stuff, you know, that you could go there and you know and ride stuff before anybody else, which is you know that's a treat as a cast member. That is a treat. I hope to someday ride Space Mountain with the lights on. I think it would terrify me. It would. But <laughs> but I'd like to try it. It would. I did, uh, but not because I wanted to. Um, we got I got stuck on Space Mountain and they and we were there for I don't even know, maybe fifteen minutes, a good fifteen minutes. Which seems like on, an hour. Yes. Stuck on the the climb up. Oh oh okay. Oh, I'm in the car. We're stuck on the climb up to the top. And the only way to get us down was to push us up and, and let us roll, (laughs) but they had to turn all the lights on. And so it was amazing. Was this in Florida or California? It was was here. It was here. And I would think it would be scarier in Florida because there are two tracks. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was real. It just looked messy to me. I don't know. It was just, but I was really high and it was scary. (laughs) I'd rather not see that, you know, but yeah. Besides the roles you had, is there another role that you'd want to have within the Walt Disney Company? Oh my goodness. Another role. I don't know. Another role. Um, Isn't that funny? Well, that just means you were super content doing what you were doing. I, I really was. I really was. I, I think I probably wish that I could sing more places, you know, maybe be a part of, of more recording things. I mean, I, I got to do some parades, you know, I got to sing in, on some recordings and stuff like that, but maybe sing, sing a little more for some things, but um, I don't know. I'm a people person. So I, I think that I would really enjoy being some sort of manager that had a lot of um, guest contact. Sure. Sure. You know, I, that would shake a lot of hands and, you know, I don't know. Cause I, I really like to talk to people. So I don't know. I think that's why being a hostess was always fun, you know, a greeter of some sort, mm-hmm. but, um, not in the hot <laughs> right. a greeter in the AC. Incidentally, where, where did you record all of those tracks for the parades? Was there some, a place on property or did you have to go off property? 
Well, there is now. They've always had a recording studio of some sort on property. They had one uh, at the Magic Kingdom years ago, uh, and it was right by the cafeteria, you know, down underneath. And they did a lot of their recordings there. Okay. And uh, they've since changed that. And they've got a beautiful new facility. And I think it's called the Roy O. Disney Recording Studio. Mm. And, uh, I've never been there, but uh, it's, you know, any pictures I've seen, it looks fantastic. And so, you know, I think that um, that they use that mostly now. I They did some stuff over at the uh, the studios. The um, They had a recording facility over there. And I did a couple things over there at, at the Disney Studios, but... Uh, Hollywood studios, but I, but now they've got this another big, big facility called Roy O Disney. And that's where they do, I think all of their parades and recordings and stuff like that. So how long did it take you to record share a dream come true? Um, Not long. It was kind of an audition thing. Uh, They had a couple of us do it. They gave it to me right before lunch and said, go learn this. (laughs) I came back after lunch. Yeah. And because we were in a recording session for something completely different and they said, go learn this song. And so I learned it on my lunch hour, came back and recorded it and they kept it. Wow. But I didn't know that I got it until we, until you saw the parade. (laughs) Well, my dad was at one of the parks, you know, they were visiting and they were in the park. I wasn't there with them. And he called me and he said, Tiff, he said, I think that you're singing on over on the, on the loudspeaker. I said, no, dad, I don't do that. You know? And he said, no, no, I think this is you. And he was playing share a dream come true. He said, I, it was at the very end of the night, people were leaving and they were playing that song. Oh, nice. So that's how I first heard about it. And then I got a beautiful card from uh, one of our big entertainment managers at the time, uh, Rich Taylor. And he said, what a beautiful song. Uh, thank you for being part of the magic or something. It was like th- the biggest smile that I could ever, I was like, I couldn't believe I had that opportunity. You know, it's amazing. I think another thing that I wish I did, I'd have done more of was voiceovers. I think it would have been fun to do voiceovers. I have a friend who does lots of voiceovers who is actually one of the voices of the star troopers and stuff like that. There were storm troopers. And, uh, oh, cool. and he has a lot of joy doing that. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many opportunities at Disney World for people with a variety of talent. You know, that's what's cool about Disney. If you were in charge of the Disney parks, what, if any, changes would you make? Well, for starters, I would allow, I would have to work it out where you could go whenever you wanted. I don't like the reservation system. That's not my... I'm, I'm sad about that. Mm -hmm. I understand that there's a lot of people that want to go, but I just, um, I would change that (laughs) right away. I don't like that. Okay. Uh, I, I like that you, if you feel like going to Disney today, let's go, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I would also allow more walk-ups to restaurants instead of reservations, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, when you're in the park and you've made a reservation a year and a year before you're, you know, it, the experience of doing a park doesn't necessarily um, mean that you're going to go to, to this particular restaurant because maybe your kids don't feel like being in that park today 
well, but I put a rest, we got a reservation over here at China, but you're at Magic Kingdom and your kids don't want to leave. Well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to walk up someplace well, you're, and cancel this one. It just, to me, it's just a big mess, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, that's what I do. <laughs> I would cancel a lot of this reservation mess, you know, but they, they have a, I, that's just me probably being old fashioned too, you know, so I admit that, but, um, I just like the opportunity of, if I feel like going to Disney, I want to go today. And if that means I stand in lines, then, then, then it does, you know, sure. but as, as opposed to just, you know, having to make a reservation a month in advance. I don't like that. Okay. Tiffany, we talked about the different positions you had at the Walt Disney company, the, uh, the few cast member events that you were part of, and you gave me some really cool hidden Mickey information during every interview. There are a few games that I like to play with my guests. What do you say? We switch gears and play some games. I'd love it. Yes. And now it's time to play Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Tiffany, I'm going to name three things, and you have to rank them from favorite to least favorite. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes. All right. In Epcot, Germany, England, America. (laughs) England, America, Germany. Okay. What about England makes it the top for you? It's just, I, I love the food. I love the, the location and I always get fish and chips (laughs) and I walk through the garden and I always go into the, uh, the tea house. And if there's, um, a place in those gardens back there, if there's a a group that's playing, I always sit down and watch them Mm -hmm. always. It's, there's just, again, I'm a, I'm, I'm that feel person. So. So I mentioned Germany in that first one. That brings me to this next one. Chocolate-covered marshmallow Mickey drizzled with caramel, caramel apple, caramel and chocolate pineapple. Okay, so the apple would be my favorite, then pineapple, then the marshmallow. And all of that is in that German. Is in that pavilion, oh, yes. Oh, man. Yes. So, it is. so I, good. I, I, rarely, I rarely get anything but a caramel apple. Sometimes I get caramel corn, but the caramel apple, mmm. Whether it's there or it's at Main Street, I mean, I'm a big caramel apple fan. Mm-hmm. All right. So speaking of treats, classic Uh-oh. Dole Whip, Dole Whip float, Dole Whip pineapple and coconut swirl. <laughs> classic Dole Whip. You're a classic Dole Whip girl. Uh huh. Class. Then the float. Then the then the coconut. I had the right order. How about that? That is yes, magical. Exactly. International Flower and Garden Festival, Food and Wine Festival, Festival of the Arts. Um, Flower and Garden, hands down. It's my favorite. Favorite, favorite. Festival of the Arts, Food and Wine. The Flower and Garden is my absolute favorite. Why is that? I love flowers. Like, love flowers. I should be a flower designer. That's that's how much I love them. That's your next Um, job at Disney. Oh, I don't know if they'd, <laughs> they'd have to really help me, <laughs> but I love flowers so much. They had a Mother's Day thing years ago, and this is probably one of the reasons why I love it so much. They had, you could buy an extra ticket and do a Mother's Day brunch. 
there during the Flower and Garden Festival. And the very first year was so spectacular. They had gals dressed up in these gorgeous um, flower vase kind of things. And they had people walking around with a violin, you know, singing or um, getting people to dance and sing Disney songs. And it was just a big buffet of food and everybody got flowers. It was the most amazing experience. And my I took my mother-in-law and it it was like I, I couldn't even I couldn't even say there was anything better. Like it was that special. And then, so then we, of course, this is going to be our new tradition. And so then the next year we went and it was a little less. And then the next year, I think they stopped having it the third year or, or maybe it was really a lot less or, and then they just got rid of it altogether. So I was disappointed in that, you know, because um, that made the Flower and Garden Festival that much more fun mm-hmm. to me, you know, so they do such a great job with all of those festivals. Oh, are you kidding? And the topiaries mm-hmm. of a really dear friend of mine is one. Um, I think she's, she might be retired now, but she was one of the the head gardeners and, you know, they do so much work. You know, that's one of the best things about Disney in general is the landscape. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a couple of Disney landscape books, you know, because I love the flowers. I love the landscape. I mean, just a random patch of grass as you drive through the property of Disney World, and then it's mowed and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's green and it's it's healthy and it's mowed, and you go, that's just a random patch of grass. But that's how much Disney cares about, you know, their their property and how how, that's just a part of who they are. It's part of the aesthetic, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite things. Okay, soaring around the world. Test track, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Soren Ratatouille Test Track. Nice. You you <laughs> are super strong with that one. I'm ready. Oh, I could do, I could sit on Soren and go all day. Like it's my favorite. I love the smells again. Oh yes. I'm very you know, I'm very aesthetic, you know. I love that. Did you ever see Soren over California? I'm sure you have. Oh yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. Do you prefer that one over Soaring Around the World? Uh no. I I, I kind of like the world one, to be honest, just because I'm a traveler, so I, sure. I kinda like the world one. Yeah. What will forever stick in my head is the smell of the orange groves from Soaring Over California. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. You know, of course, we used to have a lot more orange blossoms, you know, here before we really started getting popular. (laughs) And so, you know, in this, in the spring, my husband and I would take, would take drives through the orange, where the orange blossoms were, we roll our windows down and it was just the most amazing smell that you could, of the, of the orange blossoms all over Orlando, just gorgeous. Mm. So we don't have as many anymore, but you know. It's it's a good smell. Did you prefer Test Track, the original version, or the new version once they changed it over? And it's been changed over for quite some time. I don't remember who had it before Chevy. I, I like the new version. Okay. I like the new version. It's good. Yeah. Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. <laughs> uh, oh, that's hard. Oh, that's hard. Uh, because Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror are just neck and neck mm-hmm. for me. 
those are my two favorite things. Um, oh, probably, probably Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then Mickey and Minnie. Yeah. Okay. We'll do the mountains. Space, Big Thunder, or Splash? Oh. <laughs> uh, splash, Space, Big Thunder. I thought for sure you were going to say Space Mountain at the end because they you were forced to ride it with the lights on. <laughs> I do love how, it, how fast it is and all that. But again, I love the aesthetic of that whole ride. You know, I love the singing and the, the thing. And then of course the super long flume, which is really fun. So, all right. Kilimanjaro safaris, avatar flight of passage, expedition Everest. Uh, expedition Everest. What was, Oh, expedition Everest. Um, safari and avatar. And the reason I say that is because I've not been on Avatar. Oh, okay. So I'm sure that would probably bump up, but I've not been on Avatar. Um, that's terrible. The The day that the cast preview, it was closed. It was down. Oh, no. <laughs> Such a drag. <laughs> yeah. That is a beautiful park, though. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh. Hot as all get out, though. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hottest parks. When it's hot out, it's miserable there. <laughs> You know, all the foliage and everything, you know, but it's absolutely awesome. I used to take my daughter there and we would dig for bones, you know. Oh, yes. Boneyard. Oh, we had so much fun when she was growing up. That was a great part for that. So. Festival of the Lion King, Finding Nemo the Musical, Feathered Friends in Flight. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think in that order, Lion King, Nemo. And Feathered Friends. Okay. I love the Feathered Friends show, though. That's a good That's show. That's a great show. I, yeah, I do. I love that show. For years and years, I totally judged it. I, I hadn't seen it, but I judged it. I'm like, this is going to be terrible. And I never saw it. And then- Oh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I had some time alone in Animal Kingdom. And I said, okay, let's watch this. And I watched yeah. it. And I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah, it really is. I, I love it, too. Yeah. But that's that would be my my order. All right. The last one, Sleeping Beauty Castle at the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, Sleeping Beauty Castle in Disneyland Paris, Cinderella Castle. Oh. <laughs> well, I will say this. Sleeping Beauty in Paris is the is the most glorious thing I've ever seen. So I have to say that would be number one. Mm-hmm. But Sleeping Beauty Anaheim has my heart because I grew up there. Mm-hmm. It has my heart. And and then the one here. The one here, of course, is is bigger and more beautiful, but it's Disneyland has got my heart. So it is a very special place, isn't it? It is for me. I I mean I just know I know where all the ticket booths used to be. That's how much I know. Wow. I just I've this ride used to be this, this ride used to be that ticket booths used to be here and here and here and here. You know, I mean, I totally grew up there. There are four ticket booths that still, obviously they're not used for tickets anymore, but they still exist out there. Oh, really? At Disneyland? At Disneyland. There's the storybook land canal boats. They removed the ticket window, but the lighthouse is still there. Okay. 
Oh, what are the other ones? That's one of my favorite rides ever. It's Tracy's favorite ride, hands down, yeah. her favorite. Yes, 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 yes. There's another one where you can see the windows. It's at the Matterhorn. It's part of the queue. You walk oh, through yeah. it. Part of the queue right there. They've got the poles, yeah. And then there's another one which they relocated near, uh, right across from It's a Small World. Okay. And it has the windows, but but obviously, again, it's not being used for anything. It's not even open, but it's there. It's sitting there. And I can't remember the fourth one in the moment, but I know that there's a fourth. And as soon as we disconnect, I'm going to remember and I'll just text you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isn't that something though? I mean, I... And of course, I loved the Skyway. That was one, oh, was my favorite. When they stopped doing it, I just, I was so bummed about that. You used to go through the Matterhorn. Yeah. Yeah. It was the best. It was just the best. I remember when they had the Skyway at Walt Disney World in Magic Kingdom. And I rode that as yeah, a kid. Me too. me too. Yeah. I just, I'm just bummed that that had to go away. I know. Well, thank so. you for playing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Do you want to play one more? I would love to play one more. Yes, please. Excellent. All right. So this game is called As the Nose Grows, Pinocchio, True or False? Uh-oh. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you a statement, and you have to tell me whether you think that statement is true or false. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Harmonious, the new nighttime spectacular at Epcot, showcases and celebrates the cultures and stories of the world that have inspired various Disney films and music. The show utilizes choreographed water fountains, water curtains, lasers, searchlights, LED screens, and pyrotechnics. True or false, the Walt Disney Company is the largest consumer of fireworks in the world. True. That is true. Yes. Yeah. Between the parades, live shows, and nighttime fireworks spectaculars, Disney Parks spends over $50 million a year on fireworks and pyrotechnic effects. That's crazy. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and they're also the second largest producer of gun, or purchaser rather, of gunpowder right behind the U.S. Department of Defense. Oh, no kidding. Gunpowder. Isn't that nuts? Wow. That is weird. <laughs> All right. The second one. The Dapper Dans are a barbershop quartet that performs at Disneyland Park in Anaheim and at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World and are some of the few Disney Parks characters featured on Main Street USA. True or false, the Dapper Dans make a cameo appearance in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. False. Do you have another guess? Oh, really? Is it true? It is true. In is it Really? In the first scene on the right-hand side, there's a quadruplet tandem bike, which drives by with four passengers on it. The four passengers are dogs, and they are wearing Dapper Dan outfits. Oh, in a way. Okay, that's cool. Oh, neat. That's awesome. I love when Disney does stuff like that. Yes. Oh, me too. I think that's awesome. Oh, I love the Dapper Dans. They're my buddies. <laughs> okay. Disney uses something called forced perspective to make things look larger than they actually are. True or false, Disney uses forced perspective to make the main building in the American Adventure Pavilion look smaller than it actually is. True. It is true. Yep. Yeah. Imagineers wanted people to be able to see the American Adventure building from across the lake. 
But if they used the actual scale of the building from the colonial period, it would have been too small. Wow. So they made the building five stories tall and used forced perspective to make it look like it's only three stories tall. Oh, how interesting. Oh, that's super cool. Okay. I have one more, and this takes you back to your roots. All right, I'm ready. Big Thunder Ranch was an attraction at Disneyland, which included a petting zoo, a walk-through log cabin, a dining area known as Big Thunder Barbecue, and a variety of scenery meant to create the atmosphere of a Western ranch. True or false, two of the animals in the petting zoo were turkeys who received the presidential pardon in honor of Thanksgiving in 2008. True. It is is true. (laughs) The turkeys were pardoned by then-President George W. Bush. Oh, how funny. That's awesome. It's crazy. And other petting zoo animals included sheep, goats, and cows. Do you remember who the attraction was was hosted by? No. Brawny. Oh, Remember that sure. company they made the paper towels? Sure. That's right. That's right. And on January 11th, 2016, and you mentioned this earlier, it, it did close and it yes. was later replaced by Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I know. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, onward and upward. Onward and upward. Tiffany, thank you for playing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And as the nose grows, that was a lot of fun. I loved it. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I, I loved talking with you about your experiences with the Walt Disney Company and talking snacks and attractions. But before we go, can you tell my listeners how they can find you and follow you? Sure. Um, I'm on Facebook, Tiffany Coburn uh, on Facebook. And then uh, Instagram is Tiffany Coburn official. And then um, I have, you know, music all over Spotify and uh, iTunes and stuff like that. So excellent. To end our time together and in honor of the Disney Fab Five, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy and Pluto, I'd like to ask you five questions. Uh Oh, who is your favorite character from the movies? Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Hands down. She's my favorite. Who's your favorite character to meet in the parks? Mickey. Mm. Mm. He's my favorite. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah, I, he's my favorite. Why is Mickey your favorite? He's just the icon of Disney to me. He just, there's just a, there's just a friendliness about him. There's just, he is Disney. He embodies all of the things that I feel that are great. Mm-hmm. What a great answer. If you can ask any character a question, who would you ask and what would you ask? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I'd probably Mickey Mouse, of course. And I would probably ask him, what was it like to hang out with Walt? Hmm. How about that? Mm, That's a good one. What was it like to be with Walt? And that actually is a great lead in to the next question. If if you could spend a day with Walt Disney, what would you do? (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh, you know, I would love to just follow him around and and see how he took care of his place. You know, took care of Disney. You know. Um, but I think I would, 
you know, in our times, maybe when we'd have a cup of coffee or something, I would say, um, hopefully get him to talk about dreams that he, that he has. I mean, like somebody like that, who was such a dreamer, what else do you have? I mean, what else, what other dreams do you have that you're chewing on that you're, that you're going for? What's next? You know, obviously he passed away before Epcot was put together, but somebody like that had dreams far beyond that. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be interesting to, to see what his dreams were, you know, like what's, what's your favorite, what's his favorite ride? You know, that kind of stuff sure, sure. that what just ask him what his, what else was out there for him? Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Just but to spend a day with a dreamer like that. Oh my goodness. It would be everything. It would be. Mm -hmm. All right. My last question. If you can have one special quality of any Disney character, what would it be? Oh, let's see. I would probably choose Mickey, but just joy all the time. Mm -hmm. Everything. There's a smile someplace. You can find a smile someplace in every situation, practically, you know. Mm -hmm. there's there is there is some good in everything you can find it if you look you, you just have to look yes you just have to look and i believe that uh certainly mickey but i i believe all those characters embody that i think that's i think that's the whole thing behind the disney characters is that you know they they bring such joy everything about them brings such joy you know goofy's goofy you know and pluto's just kind of fun and yeah, there's just um there's just joy in all of them so um yeah we, if you look there's something there's something joyful in every every situation positive T tiffany thank you again so much for spending time with me it was an absolute pleasure well it was a treat to be with you and meet with you scott i thank you for the invitation and thank you listeners for hanging out with us for all this time because uh, we've just enjoyed having a chat and you've gotten to listen in. <laughs> Hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you, Tiffany. Bye. I'm so glad I got to connect with Tiffany. Hearing her stories was just, as Mickey Mouse would say, swell. As always, if you liked what you've heard, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell all of your friends about The Mouse and Me. And if you didn't like it, tell your enemies. Follow me on the socials by searching The Mouse and Me and look for another fun episode next week. Will it be an interview? Will it be a magical moments? That's why you should subscribe. So as soon as whatever it is drops, you'll know. Thanks for listening, everybody, and see you real soon.